1: is No Credentials Required, covering sports around the mighty 518. Part of the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. Here is your host, Ryan McCarthy.
3: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 63 of No Credentials Required. This is another edition of The Drop In. I appreciate you joining me. As always, No Credentials Required is brought to you by Billy Up Sports, in association with Godzilla Media. Tonight, we're going to do our muddy 518 Sports Beat, talk about the Firewalls. talk about the Adirondack Thunder, maybe talk a little bit of Albany Empire 2. Then we're going to go into the Metro New York Sports from an Upstate Point of View segment. We're going to talk about the New Jersey Devils and their Terrible play as of late, and we're going to talk about the New York Jets and what transpired during Senior Bowl week. But before I do that, let me go ahead and give you a reminder to go to our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram. It's bellyupncr, facebook.com forward slash bellyupsportsncr. And on YouTube, search no credentials required. Hit the, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notifications button. That way you can see when more videos come up. And we're going to post a couple videos or two. Maybe from our, my conversation with uh, Gaz and Parker this past week, in episode sixty-two. Thanks for joining me, fellas. I appreciate the conversation. And on the podcast side, hit the subscribe button. Hit share. Share with your friends. If you're especially if you're the Mighty Five One Eight and you like Mighty and you like the Five One Eight Sports, share with a friend. Tell a friend about this podcast. We're trying to grow. We're, we're trying to grow this podcast into into something special in the Capital Region where we cover Capital Region sports and make it known. So look for us on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, TuneIn, wherever you find podcasts. And if you would be so kind as to leave a five-star rating, that way the podcast universe knows that we're here. And also, if you're able to leave a rating, uh, leave a review, excuse me, go ahead and do that. Uh, I know Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rate, you can leave a review, and on Podchaser, you can also leave a review. So let's get into the mighty five one eight sports beat. Start with the Albany Firewolves. They had two games. They had a back to back with the Georgia Swarm this past weekend. On, it started on Friday when they traveled to Atlanta, the Atlanta area, to take on the Georgia Swarm. And the Firewolves got off to another quick start for the for the sixth consecutive game. The Firewolves start on the board and rather quickly as Riley O'Connor he scored. 30 seconds into the match, and he gave the Firewolves a 1-0 lead. Joe Tarts added a goal to, at the 2-minute, 11-second mark, and he gave the Firewolves a quick 2-0 lead. And then Georgia went on a run with goals by Walker, Bomberry Hall, Thompson, Bomberry again, Tarbell, and McIntosh, as Georgia grew a 7-2 lead in the second quarter. And the firewalls went on a little bit of a run on their own just to keep things close. Uh Tarts scored at 625. So let's cut the lead to, two, to seven to three. Ryan Banesh scored 21 seconds later. Get firewalls within three, seven to four. Jacob Rouet scored at 10.03. Got it within 7-5. And then Walker scored for the swarm at 12 18 to close out scoring in the first half. Georgia took an 8-5 to five lead into the locker room. Third quarter, things started to get interesting. Rue added his second end of the game. Then Lyle Thompson, who is a who is the U. Uh, Albany grad, we'll get to his story in just a moment. Lyle Thompson had a big night for the Georgia Swarm in this one. He added a goal in the third quarter at 2:36 to give to, to restore the lead back to four goals to three goals. Excuse me. Russel Tarts added his third, cuts it to nine to seven, and then Jackson and Walker each score for the Swarm to get to 11-7, and then Banesh added his third. He gets the hat trick as well. And at the end of the third quarter, it was 11-8 Georgia. Now, the Firewolves got on a run on their own. Benish added two more goals. He had five goals on this night. In Georgia Tarts, he scored four goals. And then Georgia started to pull away at the end. Shane Jackson scoring two goals, including a shorthanded goal. Sorry, including a, a power play goal to give the Swarm a 13-11 lead. Watkinson scored a shorthanded goal for the for the Firewalls to get to thirteen to twelve. But then Shane Jackson scored again on the power play in the same power play that Watkinson scored a shorthanded goal on. Got then fourteen to twelve. Charlie Kitchen scored with three seconds remaining. But at the end of that, it was feta complete at that point as the Georgia Swarm took the first game of the two game series, fourteen to thirteen. Then we go back to the MVP Arena on Saturday night. And before the game started, uh, both Joe Russatarts and Lyle Thompson were honored at the beginning of the game. Right before the game started, their former coach in Albany, Scott Marr, had a few things to say in a, in a video before the game started, just to just to honor Tarts and Thompson, who were teammates at U Albany. Uh, there were there were two of the stars on the team who helped the who helped the Great Danes get to their first ever Final Four in lacrosse. Then the game began and for the first time this season the Firewolves did not score first Uh, Henrik got a goal for the swarm at the 318 mark then a minute and five seconds later Shane Jackson adding to an already huge weekend for him he scored his fifth of the weekend to give Georgia a, a, a two nothing lead so kind of the opposite of what happened on Friday night and then we had a run we had a run for the Firewolves when they scored six unanswered goals Tanner Thompson Scored in the power play at 9.43 to cut the lead in half. George Tarts, he scored to make it 2 2. Riley O'Connor on the power play at 12.38 gave Albany a 3 2 lead. And this was a lead they would not relinquish again. O'Connor gets his second of the game 30 seconds later as, he, as the lead was doubled to 4 2. Adrian Sorchetti scored at 14.06 to give the Firewolves a 5 2 lead. That would conclude the first quarter scoring. 18 seconds into the second quarter, Riley O'Connor struck again off a loose ball from a, a, made, on a save made by the Georgia's goaltender. He got the hat trick, 6-2 lead for the Firewalls until Lyle Thompson stopped that run on the power play to uh, cut the lead in half for Georgia as Albany went into the rest of the second quarter 6-3. On a shorthanded chance, Charlie Kitchen actually scored shorthanded on a breakaway, but it was ruled that his foot had went in the crease. However, Georgia committed a foul on that play, and that meant there would be a, the Firewolves would be awarded a penalty shot, and Ryan Banesh happily dispensed the ball into the net to give the Firewolves a seven-three lead. McSpaden for the Swarm answered at eight forty-seven, uh, unassisted, to uh, cut the lead to seven four, and then Tanner Thompson scored again on a power play, and that gave the Firewolves an eight-four lead heading into the locker room. Then came the third quarter, and Firewalls are starting to pour it on. 27 seconds in, Ryan Banesh gets a second of the game. Huge weekend for him as well. Seven goals on the weekend. 9-4 at Albany. We thought they were going to pull away, and then Georgia goes on a 4-0 run in the third quarter as Weidman scores shorthanded. McIntosh scored. Lyle Thompson scored again. And then Bomberry on the power play. That made it 9-8, and things got really interesting. Things also got a little bit chippy. But then Joe Resetard's added his third of the his second of the game excuse me to increase the lead to 10-8 at the 11:31 mark. Fourth quarter comes around and things get hot again for the Firewolves. Resettard scored again at 5:41. That gave Albany an 11 an 8 lead and then the swarm go on a two no two nil run. McIntosh scored. Lal Thompson scored again on short and that got the swarm within 12 within to 11 to 10. And then within the last two minutes of the game, Tony Malcolm with a huge goal unassisted to increase the lead to 12, 10, and then just a minute and 12 seconds later, Jacob Rouet iced the game practically on a beautiful setup by Jackson Nishimura assisted by Joe Nardella, who had a great night in the faceoff circle at the faceoff dot, excuse me. And that gave the Firewolves a 13 10 lead. Lyle Thompson would score at the end just to make things interesting. Thirteen to eleven was your would be your final score for the game as Albany splits the home and home against Georgia. So let's look at the stats from Friday night's game. The three stars: Lyle Thompson, huge night for him in Georgia, two goals, six assists. George Sartarech was the second star, four goals. He had eleven points in the game on Friday. Four goals, seven assists for him. And then Shane Jackson had a huge game on Friday, four goals, three assists. Two goals were in the power play, one shorthanded goal and a game and the game winning goal on Friday. On Saturday, three stars were all from Albany. George Satards, three goals, five assists. That's eight points. Riley O'Connor, three goals, four assists for him, including a power play goal in the first quarter. And then Ryan Banesh, two goals, five assists for him. And that was the game. So let's say, let's go ahead and uh, get some sound clips. I, I got some sound clips from a few of the players, including, and, could, and, and uh, we'll go in order here. So Lyle Thompson was actually invited to talk to Albany media right after the game. He had uh, he asked some he got asked some questions. I got a chance to ask him a question. Then Joe Joe got a sound clip from him, and Tony Malcolm, who basically scored the game-winning goal to put things away. For the firewolves, so let's go ahead and listen in on those three players. Did you have to repair a little bit a little bit more just seeing what you were seeing last night with them, or was it just take take what you're, you're given from the defense?
2: No, I mean I, I wish I could I wish I could have prepared a little bit more and, and had the time to have had um, you know watching some field breakdown, but quick turnaround. Um, sort of had to have a short memory, but also uh, remember what was done last night, what they might adjust. Um, nothing too much, no too, nothing too technical in terms of seeing what what they're doing on film um, systematically, but for us it's, it's basically sticking to our core as an offense our principles and what we do well and continuing to dictate that, not allowing the defense to to control the way we play offense and for the first half, they did that um, they, they controlled the tempo of the game and you could tell by the scoreboard, they got out to, to a really pretty big lead I think it was six seven goal run off the bat um, after our first two goals and um, that's a result of, of them sort of dictating the tempo and it's our job to stop those runs by taking control of the way we play.
3: Playing against another UAlbany guy like uh, Lyle Thompson he had that video presentation beforehand this seemed to elevate your game a little bit more just put knowing that another UAlbany guy's the other side
2: of the uh, I mean, I'm trying <laughs> to compare myself to him. Uh, he's, he's, you know, the best player in the world. But, I
3: mean, yeah, you know, I, you know, being back at Albany, you know, it means a lot. You know, I asked Lyle, you know, coming back here, we spent four years here. He'll say the same thing that, you know, this is probably the best four years, you know, of your life you have here. And, you know, Coach Mark, you know, you know, I wouldn't trade those four years for the world he gave me. And I'm sure Lyle will say the same thing. Going going down 0-2, He scored the first goal in the last – pretty much every game this year, and you surrender the first two goals this year, what's the move on the bench, and how you know, the response was huge, but how do you keep composure in those situations where you look the first two goals up, down, and how do you keep your composure and just let the game flow? Yeah, you know what, that's, that's one thing where
2: it's 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 nice having Doug Jamison, who who's the best goal in the world. Um, I mean, you just got to look at what he's done so far this year, and it really allows us to play our game and stay composed, even when we are up by a few, sometimes we're down by a few, um, like you've seen so far this year, just having a having a guy like that and, and most teams try and build from the goalie out, but there's only so many goalies that you know, are Doug Jameson's caliber and it really allows us to to play that that style of play that we like to play.
3: So that was Lyle Thompson, Joe Russell Tarts and Tony Malcolm. And again, as I mentioned, Thompson and Nersa Tarts, they were teammates at UAlbany during the year when they went to the Final Four. And I just gotta say, I, watching, watching Friday night's game and Saturday's game, Saturday Live, Lyle Thompson, man, he is just he is unreal. And I actually texted one of my good buddies who's from the Albany area and now lives in Georgia. He goes to Swarm games every so often and I we have a group chat and I said I just wrote Lyle Thompson is unfair. <laughs> uh, he scored a, a really spectacular goal and I said just said Lyle, Lyle Thompson is Lyle Thompson is unfair. And going through the history of the National Arena League, there have been some pretty big names that have come and gone. Uh, if you're familiar with the NLL, John Tavares, not that John Tavares, but John Tavares, the lacrosse player is actually the uncle of John. Tavares, the hockey player, Islanders fans may know him very, very well because he was drafted by the Islanders and then jettisoned to Toronto, but that's not here, no there. But John Tavares is the all-time leading goal scorer in National Lacrosse League history. And then there's the Gate brothers. Gary Gate is a well-known name. He's currently the, Syrac- the Syracuse University women's lacrosse head coach. But for years in the National Lacrosse League, he was unstoppable. And those two guys come to those two guys come to mind when I think of lacrosse. But you can add Lyle Thompson to that list. You think of you think of the guys like Gary Gate. He was the like the Larry Bird. Like thinking about comparing to basketball, he was the Larry Bird of the of box lacrosse. John Tavares, he was the Michael Jordan of box lacrosse. I'm thinking like I'm thinking Lyle Thompson's like this. Kobe Bryant, Seth Curry comparison where he can just, he can, he can, he can score goals so creatively and turn the game around just like that. Now he, I believe he leads the league in overall points right now. Yeah. If I go to the, if I go to the statistical leaders, Lyle Thompson is a leader in points in the league with 48 points. He's got 21 goals and 27 assists. Kevin Crawley is right behind him with 46 points. He plays for the Philadelphia Wings. Calum Crawford, Calum Crawford, who was with the New England Firewolves before he signed with the New York Riptide, he's in third place right now at 45 points. Gate is Larry Bird. Tavares is Michael Jordan. Lyle Thompson is your, is your uh, Steph Curry or Kobe Bryant of this league. And I, I know some leagues have very they have trouble building up fans, getting a fan a fan base going, getting people excited for the game. I think the league should build, they should build around some stars. They need to build around stars like Lyle Thompson and Crowley and Crawford and just make them stars. You, you, these are the guys you want to see play. You want to see a Lyle Thompson play. You want to see a Joe Rosatars. You want to see a Kevin Crowley or a Kalen Crawford. You, you want to see these guys showcase their skills in on a national scene, a national scene. And I know that the nationally, the the, the, league, the league, signed a multi year deal with ESPN before the season began. That's great. Games aren't ESPN Plus. Every so often, they're on ESPN News. But the league needs to be better in communicating that they need to showcase these players on a national level. And I, I think I'm hoping that they have these games on ESPN Two sometime, or maybe I think they they have the championship games on on ESPN uh, the network or ESPN Two. But I think the National Lacrosse League. And this is my humble opinion. Take your, take, take, take your, uh, take it or leave it. But this league needs to build around stars. And I know the, the the Canadian Football League is having the same kind of problem building their building their fan base again. To they're trying to market to younger crowd. I think they try to do the same thing in the National Arena League, where they say, "All right, we're going to showcase our team. We're going to showcase our teams, but we also need to showcase the stars who are going to." Just pack the building, not so to say pack the building, but get you to watch, get eyes on the game. And the National League has been around for about, th- I think they have been around for about 35 years, save for the COVID season that completely shut things down. But for the league, build around your stars, build around those players who can, who can put butts in the seats and get your eyes glued to the screen. As for Albany itself, uh, 5,270, not bad, not bad. Bad for a f- absolutely frigid Saturday night. Seven <laughs> fifteen start in this game. I, th- I think they had some travel problems coming back from Duluth, coming back from Atlanta. Excuse me, and they decided to delay the game for an extra fifteen minutes just to get make sure players got stretched out and got warmed up. Albany, here's your chance. Here's your chance, Albany, to come out to the next game. Now the Firewolves' schedule looks like this for for the going forward. This week there at rochester they have a great chance to get a revenge game because remember back in december the firewolves were absolutely stumped absolutely stumped by the rochester nighthawks 8 no, 16 to 7 i think the, the final score was a 16 to 9 if i remember correctly they were humiliated now a lot of that has to do with the fact that they didn't have their two defensive stars they didn't have brent manny or adam Bomberry. Ah, uh, Bomberry was actually actually had the last the last two games, as was uh, as was Andrew Q, who uh, got hurt in the week before against uh, against Halifax. So I don't know if they'll be in the lineup for this past uh, this coming Friday, but it's going to help having Manny back in the lineup. I don't, I'm hoping Bomberry will be back in the lineup for this game against Rochester because Rochester's big up front, and they bullied the Firewolves the first time around in this in the in the Firewolves uh, opener home opener. So Firewolves this week, they're at Rochester. That is a Saturday night game at 7 o'clock. The next week, they have another back-to-back, which is nightmares. But the the travel's not that bad. They'll be in Buffalo on Friday night, February 18th at 7.30. They'll be back the next day at the friendly confines of MVP Arena. The schedule says 7 o'clock they'll be taking on the Toronto rock, but I think they actually might've moved it up to four o'clock. That might be an ESPN news game. So don't get me. Don't don't at me. (laughs) If I get it wrong, I get it wrong. But empire uh, empire firewolves will have three games in seven days coming up eight, three games in eight days coming up and doesn't seem enjoyable, but this is, this is the time of year that they got, they finally started getting things going on the scoring end. They finally got things going. Glenn Clark last week said, you know, we we're, weren't we're still trying to establish an i that's establish an identity up front and the scoring. The last if the last two games have indicated Albany can score. They can score goals. Even without Andrew Q, who's one of their who's one of their clutch goal scorers, they can score goals. 13 goals on Friday and Saturday, both those games. And Coach Clark said you had to score more than 10. To get to, to get a win in this league, and they did they did that in spades this weekend. Joe Satard's had a huge weekend. Ryan Banesh, also a huge re- weekend. Riley O'Connor big weekend, uh, big big Saturday game, big game on Saturday with a hat trick in the first half. So and and four to add to four assists. So Firewolves are starting to heat things up. No 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 pun intended. They're starting to heat up, and I'm I'm hoping that next the next time. Next home game, which will be which will be two weeks from Sat, will be a week from Saturday. Hoping people come out to the MVP Arena, arena, whether it be at four o'clock or seven o'clock PM. If you want to bring your kids, showcase the sport, get people in the seats. Saturday afternoon, the eighth, the nineteenth, will be the game to do so. All right, we're going to move on to the Adirondack Thunder, who are looking to snap a pretty bad run. And uh, well, uh, well, really, not so much a bad run, but just a bad series of events over the last couple of weeks. And the Thunder hosted the Fort Wayne Comets for three games in four nights last weekend, starting on Wednesday with a 4-3 shootout win as they took the first game of the three game series against the Fort Wayne Comets. First period, Connor Cochran opened up the scoring in the game for the Comets with a, for, the one, for a one nothing lead. Luke Stevens tied things up for the Thunder at the 9.51 mark. Second period, Shane Budrigas with a goal for the Comets answered by Shane Harper at the 3.33 mark. And then Zach Pochiro scored at 7.33 the second period. That gave the Comets a 3-2 lead going into the final period. Then Jake Rizek scored on the power play to tie the game up at three apiece. And we've had overtime, no goals in overtime. But in the shootout, there was only one goal scored, which was by the Har- by Shane Harper of the Adirondack Thunder. Fort Wayne scores no goals, and Adirondack gets one, and that gives the Thunder a 4-3 victory. For the Thunder, Alex Akiloropoulos made 27 saves on 30 shots, while in the loss for the Fort Wayne Comets, Yuri Patera had 42, sh- 42 saves on 45 shots. So... Lots of shots put on goal by, by the Thunder resulted, but that resulted in a 4-3 win in the shootout. On Friday, come back to the cool insuring arena, and Fort Wayne got their revenge in a big way. However, it didn't start that way for, for the comets. Patrick Grasso got the Patrick Grasso got the goal scoring started in the game for the Adir- Adirondack Thunder with a goal in the first period. Fort Wayne would respond. On the power play at 607 with a goal by Connor Cochran. The Thunder would score a power play goal at 1526 by Shane Harper, and then Sebastian Vidmar added to the lead with a goal at 1815 to give the Thunder a 3-1 lead going into the locker room. However, things just went the comet's way. Comets would score six unanswered goals. Two in the third period, two in the second period, excuse me. Both on the power play, won by Connor Cochran again. And then Kellen Jones scores at 13:54, a tie the score at three, which would lead to a big third period for the Comets. Sean Sladowski scored the game-winning goal at 2:58, followed by Zach Pochiro, his second of the weekend, and then the Comets would add two equal strength goals by Lyndon McCallum and Sean Budrys, and that would end the score. That would end all scoring as the Comets would wind up winning. 7-3. For the Thunder, Alex Sakilopoulos would make 27 saves on 34 shots while his counterpart, Yuri Patera, only he only faced 27 shots in this game but only allowed 3 goals in this game and the comments went up taking this match 7-3. to Next night, Thunder wrapped things up with a 4-3 win. Big first period for the Thunder again as they scored 3 goals in the first period. First, Jake, Jake Rizek scored an, equal, at, scored an equal strength goal at 6.57. Then at 11.59, Sebastian Vidmar got his second of the week, followed by a power play goal by Vidmar at 19.26. We give Adirondack a 3-0 lead at the first intermission. Comets would come back. So the last Sean Slodowski with his second goal of the weekend to cut the lead to 3-1. Andrew Pet- would would add another goal for the Comets just a minute and 31 seconds later. And then the game-winning goal scored by Robbie Payne at 1349 to give Adirondack a th- 4-2 lead going into the second intermission. Andrew Petrozelli scored at the 1157 mark of the third period to make things interesting. But at the end of the night, Adirondack would walk away, so skate away really <laughs> with a with a 4-3 win. And that gave them the 2-1 series win for the Thunder. End goal between the pipes for the Thunder. Brandon Castle got the start, made 41 saves on 44 shots by the Comets. And for the Fort Wayne Comets, for them, Samuel Harvey made 23 saves on 27 shots. So that brings us to the standings. And right now, the Thunder sit in fifth place right now with 34 points, 16 wins, 18 losses, and two overtime losses. With th- That gives them 34 points. North division, this is what, how it looks like right now. Reading is running away with the division. 21 wins, 9 losses, 5 overtime losses, and 1 shutout loss for 48 points. trois Revere actually took over Newfoundland for second place. 39 points, 18 wins, 12 losses, 2 overtime wins, and 1 shootout loss. Newfoundland, 17, 12, and 3 with 37 points. Maine, 39 This is a weird thing about the standings in the ECHL because they don't necessarily go by points, but wins or, or, or losses. So right now, Maine is 19 and 15 with three losses, overtime losses and one shootout loss. They have 43 points, but they sit in fourth place because Newfoundland has seven games in hand and they have less losses. It's a weird thing in the ECHL. Fifth place, our you're at a run Thunder. 16 wins, 18 losses, two overtime losses in 36 games. Worcester sitting in last place, right behind them. 16 wins, 19 losses, two overtime losses, and one shootout loss for 35 points. Again, which is, which is weird how the ECHL does their score, does their uh, does their standings. So that's gonna do it for the well, actually, wait, we may have some Empire news. Empire made one signing. Now it'd be Keith Lewis. He's the, he's a defensive back wide receiver. Looks like he played some defensive back for the Detroit lions way back in the day. And it's another signing for the, for the uh, empire. So it's gonna be interesting. The tryouts and the, the trials are gonna be interesting, which is actually coming up in a, just a couple weeks and we got about 10 weeks to go until april 23rd and that's when the albany empire begin their title defense against the jacksonville sharks So, the albany empire keith lewis welcome to town welcome to the empire that's gonna do it for the my 518 sports beat we're gonna take a short commercial break with a word from one of our friends at billy up sports and that is manscaped
0: Roses are red,
3: violets are blue, but
0: don't let a wild pub wreck you. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This V Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping. The holidays went by so quickly. Did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job? The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day just a little more special. The number one product in this package is the Lawmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. And get this the trimmer's advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate balls. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave. Any- anywhere your heart desires. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today.
3: Okay, welcome back to No Credentials Required. We're getting to the Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view segment. Let's talk about the New Jersey Devils for a moment because we had the All-Star break this past weekend. Jack Hughes looked into his first All-Star game and had himself a, he had himself a ball. From all indications, looking at the skills competition and the game, the games themselves, as the Metropolitan would wind up taking the All-Star game once again, uh, the third time that they've won since the format was changed in 2016. Jack Hughes had three goals, one assist in two games, two of the mini games for the Metropolitan Division as they beat the Pacific Division in the first game, six four. He had the game-winning goal as well as an empty net goal to win the game for. Metropolitan division had a goal and assist in the first period in the only period, actually as the metropolitan defeated the central division five to three. However, with the good comes the bad and the bad came on sad, on Sunday afternoon. Unfortunately, when it was announced that Jack Hughes is now in the NHL's COVID protocol, <laughs> it just, it's just, it's just the season for this, this season for this devil's team. I I mean, Coming into the All-Star break, they had lost, lost their last six in a row. And actually, they've lost the last seven as they, as they record this at 9.26 p.m. on a Monday night. They just wrapped up their game against the Ottawa Senators who are in the bottom two of the Atlantic Division. And Ottawa took that game rather handily, 4-1. to one. Nico Heischer scored in the power play to give the doubles a one nothing lead. And then from there, it collapsed. Nick Paul... Nick Holden, Adam Gaudet, and Connor Brown all scored for the Senators as they scored four unanswered goals for the Senators to give them a four-one lead over New Jersey. You can't really say enough about this team that they're, how much they're they're gonna miss Jack Hughes for a couple of games. Now it could be two games, it could be ten that Jack Hughes missed. I don't know how this how it's gonna the virus is gonna run through his system. Uh, some players have missed one or two games uh there's one player i think i think calgary's david Rich missed 10 games altogether for for the uh for the flames so it's going to depend on how jack hughes uh how jack hughes's body handles this virus and the devils are obviously going to miss him because they dropped the first game of a two-game swing through canada uh tomorrow night tuesday will be Uh, A seven o'clock match against the Montreal Canadiens, who sit at 8 29 and 7. And a few weeks back, the Devils gave the Devils pretty much gave the Phoenix Arizona Coyotes, excuse me, uh, their 10th win of the season. I have a really sinking, suspicious feeling that the Devils are going to give Montreal their 9th win of the season. Now, Montreal, I just that that team just collapsed from where they were last year to this year, that last year they go to the Stanley cup final miracle run this year. They're the worst team in the league. And I don't know if it's because of the cup hangover, the fact that they're missing Carrie price, who was taking basically an extended leave for a mental health, mental health concern uh, entered the wellness program to get over some addiction issues, I guess, or some mental health issues. It's up to him as to what he wants to say about this, about what happened with him. But this Montreal team is not the same Montreal team that surprised the world, surprised the hockey world last year. And for the New Jersey Devils, if they lose this game, there's got to be a gut check for the players. I I don't think a whole lot of this is the players fault, the coaches fault. excuse me. Coaches are doing the best they can. The power plays improved vastly from where it was in, in November where they were absolutely atrocious. And now the power play is getting better, but Devils have a lot of this has to do with injuries. Jack Hughes is in protocol, is in COVID protocol. Dougie Hamilton, he's got a broken jaw. He's been out since December. Mackenzie Blackwood, he's been on the injured, in on and off the injured list this year. He's dealing with a foot issue. Hopefully that resolves, and the Devils can have a number one, established number one goal in between the pipes again because right now uh, they're. This lineup's being put together with chewing gum, duct tape, and silly putty all at the same time. So this is a really bad situation for the devils. And again, teams, you know, teams have their ups and downs throughout the year. And this stretch that the devils are currently going through is 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 a bad situation. So Hopefully they get this the situation they were doing. They were doing so well when they came back from Christmas break, from, from the NHL pause back in December around Christmas time where they had that winning, the nice little winning streak. They were getting back into the playoff race. Then all of a sudden, Dougie like Hamilton goes out of the lineup. Injuries start to mount. Guys are going on COVID. Goaltending's been shaky. And it's just been kind of a mess since then. A bad January is now turning into a worse February for the New Jersey Devils and that also counts the last two game their last two games against Toronto before the all-star break when they blew a 4-2 lead up losing 6-4 and then the next night absolutely coming out of the gate and getting curb stomped <laughs> absolutely curb stomped by the same Maple Leafs team 7-1 and Jack Hughes scored the only goal in that game so Part of the troubles, a lot of the troubles have to do with their goal scoring. They can't seem to put the puck in the net. Sure, they had four goals against Toronto on Monday night. Great, but they gave up six. So it's not, and then all of a sudden the well has certainly dried up. Uh, And you can't depend on the same three guys to score for this team. The same three guys have been basically scoring for the team since mid-January. Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and Nico Heischer. And you can't depend on those three guys to be in the lineup and do all your goal scoring for you. Double signed Thomas Tatar for a reason. Give him secondary scoring. And where has he been? Dawson Mercer has been kind of off the score sheet for has been off the score sheet for a while. Andreas Janssen has cut had, had a had a goal streak and then went dry for a good a good three weeks. Same with the same with Pavel Zaka. Devils have had such trouble with secondary scoring this year. And I think that's something that they'll need to be addressed in the, in the off season by, by general manager, uh, Tom Fitzgerald. The devils need to find some guys who can put the puck in the net and it can't, again, it can't be just Hughes, Brat and he on a nightly basis. It has to come from the depth. It has to come from the second line it has to cut. We they have to get a greasy goal from their fourth line, their third line. And this lately is just, they've been just having that trouble putting the puck in the net. Yeah, seven goal outburst a couple weeks ago against the Carolina Hurricanes, and what has happened since? I think they scored more than two goals once in that time frame. So the Devils need to have a gut check. Need to have a whether it be a players only meeting, whether it be Lindy Ruff just throwing a chair or two, <laughs> doing that old school thing uh, that he that he I, I hope he would be able to do. I know he's very much a guy who's predicated on. Being calling presence, but I think there there needs to be loud voices in the room. There needs to be some. There needs to be yelling. <laughs> there needs to be yelling amongst the players. There has to be some sort of meeting where they basically come have a come to Jesus moment. No pun intended, because it's the New Jersey Devils, <laughs> and figure out where they want to go from here. We're approaching the trade deadline. This is going to be a really rough period over the next couple of weeks because they're making up a bunch of games. And they're taking on some of the best teams in the league. They play St. Louis on Thursday. They play they play at Pittsburgh. I think no, no, they're at home. They're at St. Louis, and they're at home against Pittsburgh on Sunday. So it's going to be a very rough stretch for the New Jersey Devils, and I think this is going to – this schedule, as I mentioned, and I I believe it was the, the roundtable a couple weeks ago with uh, a bunch of guests, this two-week stretch – that was going to take place for the Olympics, that the, the NHL was supposed to go to the Olympics. This two-week stretch, stretch is going to make or break teams. And right now the doubles are a broken team and they're about to be more broken and their playoff chances are going to be shattered. If they can't get things together. And I think you're going to see a bunch of guys from this lineup being gone over the next, uh, next couple weeks as the trade deadline is looming. And the final couple months of the season is coming to a close. So, Jersey Devils got to get things together. It's a sad situation right now. And the only way it can resolve it is that they have they just have some accountability between the, the players and the coaches and start to play as a co- they start to play as a cohesive unit. So let's see what happens from here over the next couple of weeks for the Devils. I think they missed the playoffs. I, I had a feeling they're gonna miss the playoffs this year, and that is coming to fruition. So they need to get healthy. They need to start putting pucks in the net. Otherwise, it's gonna be another another missed playoff. Um, one playoff appearance in the last decade. Decade. Now it's two thousand the magical season of actually two two playoff appearances in the last last decade. And that includes that magical run in twenty twelve where they came up short. And then twenty seventeen, where it was basically the Taylor Hall season. And they went up getting beaten in five by the uh, by the Timber Bay Lightning. So I'm um, doubles are going to miss out in the playoffs this year. Hopefully next year they'll be, in, they'll be in the running, but this year I think it's uh, I think uh, it's time to re to, to evaluate things and see who stays, see who goes and see what they can do in the off season to pr- improve things for, for themselves. Get some guys who can put some pucks in the net. All right, moving on to the New York jets. And last week I had a, I had a qua- not a quandary, but I kind of a, I had a feeling. I had a sense. and Last week, I mentioned about, about Makai Becton and the basically the entire 2020, cl- 2020 class. I actually wrote an article about this yesterday, uh, actually over the weekend on BellyUpSports.com. I talked about the 2020 draft class and what Robert Sala and Joe Douglas intended to do with that draft class. Now, here's what happened at the Senior Bowl. So on Tuesday, the Jets beat writers uh, had themselves a pretty interesting day. Now, Robert Sala, they were asking him what positions we we're looking at, and he said, Yeah, we're not, you know, we're, we're thinking about drafting a tackle. And this comes in the heels of Macai Beckton's really lost season. Let's just put it that way. In 2020 rookie campaign, there were times where he looked absolutely awesome. And times where he looked hurt, and he had some injuries in in the first in his rookie season. Every rookie goes through some growing pains, and he literally went through that as a professional. His first year as a professional, last year he was expected to be part of a group that was much improved, a much a much improved O line uh, with a new system. He went up playing forty eight snaps altogether, and he played in Week One against Carolina. Got hurt, never came back. That's Jets management, kind of wondering where, this, kid's, where this, this kid is at. Because he was originally supposed to be out four to six weeks. Then that four to six weeks turned to six to eight weeks. Then that six to eight weeks turned into ten weeks. And then ten weeks turns into season-ending IR. Now, I don't know if this is a physical problem for Beckton. Or it could be a mental problem for Becton. We really don't know. We we don't know what's inside this kid's head. So Robert Sala came out and said, yeah, uh, Makai Becton isn't uh, guaranteed left tackle spot next year. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Becton was hurt, missed missed games, missed pretty much every single game uh, last season. And he played basically... Basically, basically played two quarters. <laughs> he played two quarters of their of their game against against uh, against the Panthers, and then missed the rest of the season. And his place was George Fant. George Fant was incredible, and then he got hurt <laughs> naturally because the Jets can't stay healthy and we can't have nice things. So Salah came that come out and said came out and said yeah, uh, Bucky back then is not guaranteed the left tackle position where we come to camp, he's going to have to earn that position. It's not going to be given to him. He's going to have to earn it. And that is actually, I think, the right thing to do for Robert Sala. We didn't see much of this this past season with Sala during during the regular season. We didn't see him calling out players. We didn't see him. We didn't hear him calling out players. We didn't hear him basically being specific on who needs to improve and who needs to get better. But I think Robert Sala is finally coming into his own as a head coach. This is his first season as a head coach. Again, you go through some growing pains as in your first year of doing anything, whether it be a new job, whether it be a, as a professional athlete, whether it be as a head coach or a coordinator or an intern. You're going to have a rough first season. But I think now he's starting to come into his own as head coach, and he's not afraid to speak his mind now. And the fact that he basically called out Mikai Becton was, was something that I think Jets fans were waiting for. And I, th- I thought, I thought it was kind of a relief. And the fact that he, he basically called out Makai Beckton, the beat went banana sandwich. <laughs> I, I posted, I posted tweets from Connor Hughes, from uh, Rich simini and from Brian Costello from the New York post about how Robert Sala said, yeah, there's no guarantee that Mekhi Becton will be starting at left tackle this year. And the thing is with left tackles, that's where the, if you're right-hand, if you have a right-handed quarterback, that's the money. That's where the money's made. That's where you get paid the most. That's the, that's the, that's the premier position other than center. That is the premier position on the offensive line is, is blindside protection. And last year, from all indications, When Carl Lawson was in, when they had, when they had uh, OTAs and training in minicamp, Carl Lawson was beating, beating Mekhi Becton off the off the rush, off the edge, constantly, constantly getting to Zach Wilson, constantly getting to whoever's in the backfield, and the players, the coaches were, coaches were not pleased. And yeah, I I think I think he he's saying a lot of a lot. He's saying what a lot of New York Jer- New York Jets play- uh, fans are thinking because I know a lot of Jets fans. We had our we had our roundtable discussion with Dan and Kyle a few weeks ago, and I th- I think Jets fans are t- are getting they're wondering what this 2020, uh, 2020 draft class is. What's their identity? The only player who's really been who's made a difference in this in the 20 from the 2020 draft class what is bryce hall and bryce hall yeah he's had some injury issues but but he is the premier guy from that 2020 draft class as actually making something of himself in this in in this in the game in the, for the jets because think about it. think about the 2020 draft class all right mika back then we know about him denzel mims i think he's a goner He's pretty much going to be a goner at the end at the and during the offseason. I think they're going to either trade him or release him. Uh, a couple of teams I think come to mind are the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Eagles probably would probably want a guy like like uh, Denzel Mims because his skill set doesn't fit this offense. And he had an amazing opportunity with guys dropping like with wide receivers dropping like flies Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder all these guys dropping because of injury he had a chance to step up and make his presence known and he couldn't do it he couldn't do it i don't know because it was i don't know if he was unhealthy I, I know he had some struggles with with uh illness and being on the covid list i had, he had an illness before training camp and for uh, before otas or it was before mini camp, but he had some struggles uh with an illness i guess he got food poisoning and he didn't uh didn't fare well it wasn't physically right maybe that has something maybe that has something to do with it maybe it's maybe it's mental like Beckton, but uh, we've uh, pretty much the consensus is among jets fans he's gone michael p ryan disappeared from the running back rotation appeared in only four games didn't get many snaps spent a lot of time in the ir he's pretty much gone jabari zuniga where is he <laughs> where's jabari zuniga ashton davis we saw his struggles trying to fill in for marcus may last year had four picks, great, but had some struggles because he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't fit the role that Marcus May had. James Morgan released from the team, released from the team, brought back to the team, then released again. We don't know if he'll ever see the light of day of an NFL field. Cameron Clark, sad to say, career-ending neck injury during training camp. They, they were uh, doctors. His doctors were feared that he might risk paralysis if he ever stepped back on the field. Football is a collision sport. It's a violent game. Unfortunately, we're sad to see him. We we're so we I was as a Jets fan, I was hoping he would crack the lineup this year. He would add some he would allow, he would add some depth to right guard, especially because Greg Van Roten played Greg Van Rotten a lot of times this year. Very streak at times this year, very streaky, had some good games, had some really awful games. And we're hoping Cam Clark would be a part of the depth on the offensive line for years to come. But unfortunately, freak accident during training camp neck injury. He won't be able to play again. And Braden Mann had some injury issues too. Got hurt in the first game. Didn't have the rookie didn't, couldn't match what he did during his rookie season. So the jets were at the senior bowl. They were coaching the national team. Uh, actually, what happened was Ron Middleton was elected as head coach by, by Robert Saul. looks like he wanted to work with Joe Douglas to do some train to some uh, talent evaluation. Saw a lot of talent on the field. And Ron Middleton, by the way, is 2-0 as head coach. <laughs> uh, he got the win, uh, I believe it was week 16 against the Jaguars. I believe he was the coach in that game because Robert Sala was in the co- was, in, was in COVID protocol. And he was the head coach for this game. He's 2-0 as head coach. So NFL teams looking to fill the dra- fill a, a, your void for your coaching staff. Ron Middleton's available. That was kind of a joke kind of a joke. <laughs> Ron Milton's a great guy though. Uh respect the hey, respect this beer game too. But this is going to come down to how the Jets evaluate the 2020 draft class and I think sadly a lot of these players are going to be either traded or outright released this offseason. Joe Douglas, he's known for swindling some teams with uh of their of their draft picks. Uh, They've got some big decisions coming down the pike, coming down the road, and they have a ton of cap space coming up. They'll have a bevy of draft picks, and that includes two picks in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Thank you very much, Jamal Adams. (laughs) And there's lots of rumors that the Jets will either try to move up from the four spot and down from the 10 spot. Uh, they're looking. Uh, they got some needs at a lot of positions, including tight end, edge, offensive line. I would say wide receiver is still a concern uh, with their with their depth issues. Uh, Denzel is probably going to be gone. Keelan Cole probably going to be gone. So they're going to have to have some address the the wide receiver spot. But I think they'll do that in free agency, if I'm honest couple more minutes left left before we wrap things up. Um but yeah, I, this roster is going to have a complete makeover for 2022 with or without Beckton and much of the 2020 draft class. So big things coming down the road March 18th. March 16th, excuse me, is the beginning of free agency. I believe we're currently in the t- I think I believe the legal tampering period comes a- the day after the Super Bowl. So March 16th April 28th and April 28th, 29th and 30th. They're not too far around the corner. And I say, watch out for a complete roster makeover for 2022. And I'm hoping and praying, praying, God, please <laughs> playoffs. I'm hoping for a playoff spot next year. Zach Wilson's going to have to make some big improvements. Uh, I think he's aiming on getting back to work and making that happen. So stay tuned because the free agency and draft are coming soon and Jets fans are hungry for a winner. All right, so before we wrap things up tonight, let me tell you about one of our friends at Geisel Media. That's Johnstone Supply. Johnstone Supply and Troy is ready to help you as the frigid winter, well, it's already here. (laughs) Now it's more important than ever to make sure your furnace or boiler is ready to handle the extra work on the way. Plus, what happens if it breaks down? Make sure you tell your family, friends, and more. The place to be, the place to call is Johnstone Supply in Troy at 518-272-5922. The crew at Johnstone Supply will give you the advice you need to get out of that dilemma and figure out the best solution for you. If you already know you must make a change, this winter, Johnstone Supply in Troy has the new, high-efficient John Goodman Furnace, an Naveen Boiler. Stop into sixth Avenue in Troy to learn more called Johnson supply at 518-272-5922 and do us a favor, hit twice for the counter guys and tell them Tom, Kevin, James, or Rob that you heard it here on no credentials required. That's going to do it for this edition of no credentials required episode 63, another edition of the drop in. Let me go ahead and remind you about our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram belly up ncr facebook.com forward slash bellyup sports ncr and on youtube search no credentials required hit subscribe hit notifications and also go to our bonfire store support the store by buying a t-shirt or sweatshirt or if you're a lady ladies t-shirts <laughs> all right that's gonna do it i'm your host ryan mccarthy you have enjoyed another episode of no credentials required where you don't need a press pass to talk sports we'll talk to you again next time
1: Joseph McDade. Check him out on supporters music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a belly sports podcast network production in association
0: with Dogzilla Media.
1: of a winner.